This is Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to episode 89, where I'm speaking with the one and only uh, Olivia Marlo Giavetti, who we sent to South by, and she ran around with a recorder and got all the tidbits and bites. And a couple of really good beers, too, along the way. Noted. Noted. Anyway, you sat in on a lean data panel, was it, at South by, and you heard some interesting stories from none other than representatives from Samosource and New Story. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, some pretext to this? Yeah, so this was a uh, workshop I was really excited to be a part of because it is a lot of what we believe at Whole Whale. And uh, I spoke afterwards with two-thirds of the facilitators. And sidebar, all three of the workshop leaders were female, so that was awesome, nice. uh, hearing awesome ladies talk about data. Um, and I spoke with Emma Lally, who is the Global Impact Manager for News Story, and they transform slums into sustainable communities. And I uh, also spoke with Twisha Mehta, who is the senior impact manager at Samasource, which is a nonprofit that uh, is geared towards reducing global poverty by outsourcing digital work to unemployed people, both here in the United States and in impoverished countries. So two very awesome causes, both of which are using data to not only codify their impact, but decide what next steps to go even deeper with that impact. Yeah, this is a fantastic case study example. You know, take it, take it back, send it to people in your organization, because I think it's really inspiring when you see data being used in the field and not just for spreadsheets or dashboards sitting on someone's desk, not going anywhere. I always pay attention to the three elements of people, process, and product, and how you hear them touch on those points, whether explicitly or implicitly uh, in the narrative. But uh, Olivia, why don't you why don't you give us the role into into this one? Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned people, process and product, because at the start of the workshop, one thing they did was survey all of us in the room data collection to see what some of the biggest questions were surrounding uh, data management for the people working um, at the organizations that they are with. Uh, the top three questions were, what data should I be collecting? How can I use that data to essentially build a better product or run a better company? And how can we scale up with that data? And one uh, very incredible person who was not me said that they've got 99 problems, but their data ain't one. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and with that, let's roll into the actual interview. Thanks for running around in the field to getting us this great content for episode 89. Oh, it was fun. Thanks for sending me. So, what are your organizations and what do you do? 
Hi, I'm Tuisha Matha, and I am the Senior Impact Manager at Samasource. Uh, Samasource is a social enterprise based in San Francisco, but we work globally. Our mission is to train and hire people living in poverty to do digital work for some of the largest Silicon Valley companies and earn a living wage. My name is Emma Lally. I am the Impact Manager at New Story. New Story's mission is to build thriving communities and to end survival mode living. And we do that by building homes and communities and working with a collective of partners to do that in Haiti, El Salvador, Bolivia, and Mexico. Awesome. Uh, so looking at both of these sides, because it's, you know, it's almost two sides of the same coin, all about giving people the tools that they need so that they can be living in a way that they should be living. I hate using the word empowered because I feel like they already have that power. It's just helping them tap into it or leverage it. Um, and with that in mind, how does data play into both of your organizations? Because we just did a session on lean data. Yeah, absolutely. So New Story uses data to measure the impact of a home. A home is something when you are living in with inadequate shelter, you have dirt floors, you're often living in a tarp tent with the communities that we work in. We want to understand how does your life change once you are able to move into a home? What do you focus on? Um, and so we are centered around understanding and measuring the impact of a home. And we do that in a variety of ways, but the most broadest ways we define is well-being. So how does your well-being, your income, the numbers of hours of sleep you get per night, your health, how does that improve once you move into a home? So it sounds like you have that North Star metric and you're breaking it down into some pretty tangible things like the hours of sleep um, so that you can see if you're going in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And we break that down into a host of different metrics, about 30 different metrics that we define as well-being. So it's everything from demographic information about your age, your occupation, how many days per week do you work, um, to, you know, your safety and your sense of safety in the community, whether you feel safe walking in the community at night, whether you feel safe leaving your children home alone, whether you feel safe, you know, do you trust your neighbors? There's a host of questions that we ask to really look at health from an individual perspective and then assess that on the aggregate for the community. How do you, uh, how do you, are, when you're talking about data for qualifiable metrics, how do you, how do you quantify that? Is it a scale of one to 25? Yeah. Um, a lot of the variables that we measure are binary, so there's mm -hmm. no question. Gotcha. Um, income is a currency. Um, we measure that from on a Likert scale for some question. It just depends on the metric that we're trying to, to assess. And we've worked really hard with our local partners um, to localize the survey to make sure the questions that we're asking make sense, that the way that they would respond to the answer is um, the way that we're asking the question. And then we've also um, zoomed out and said, what are the metrics that are already being tracked at a national scale. So how can we use the data that we collect to understand what that looks like um, compared to national data or international data? And you both talked a little bit about uh, clipboard fatigue, I think, as well as something. So that's uh, another interesting approach to how you're collecting data, I think, is that also knowing what um, meeting your audience on their level versus going in with your sort of frame of reference and a clipboard. Can you speak more to that? Emma, do you want to take that one first? Sure, yeah. Can... It's something that we are intimately kind of connected with, specifically in Haiti. Um, you know, after the 2010 earthquake, there were hundreds of aid organizations that flooded into the country and started doing surveying. Um, and they would take a clipboard and they would walk up to families. But, you know, six months later, one year later, they wouldn't actually deliver on the questions that they had asked. And so when we talk about clipboard 
fatigue. Um, it's the idea that you don't want to be surveyed. You know, you've seen no results from being asked these questions time and time again. And so we are very, very intentional about designing the survey questions for something that um, is easy. It's quick. Our survey, you know, went from being about 45 minutes to being 20 minutes once we um, started using a mobile app. And then we also do it on our phone. So we're not actually recording it on a piece of paper that when you're heading back from the field to your office that you spill coffee on and then you lose all your data and you have to do it again. We do it on a mobile phone and it often looks like you're texting or we record the audio so that we can get those data points afterwards. Hmm. One of the, the most interesting points I think I've seen um, in the nonprofit space is just the fact that when you're collecting data, it's a very intrusive process. Um, and if you put yourself in the end user's shoes, it's it's very hard to talk about a lot of very personal private data as is expected in the development space, right? And so things around not just your demographics, but your household income, expenditures, all of these things. And so when we're thinking about data collection at Somasource, one of our core questions is, what are we going to do with this data in a way that helps us drive decision making and so that people actually see the results of what data that they've given to us. And so one of our, our core ideas around using data is making sure that each metric that we're capturing and the question related to that metric helps us do what we do better, faster, and just deepen our impact. And so if I kind of take a step back to your earlier question around how do we use data, mm. um, you know, for Samasource, impact has been a core part of our DNA as an organization from day one. And we've learned a lot along the way. We, we didn't get our impact measurement system perfect on day one. It's been a learning and iterative process in itself. And so one of the things that we've done with our impact data is really used it to inform decisions around how to make our model stronger. So our baseline data, our follow-up uh, follow survey data was used as a way of not just understanding who we were serving, but the impact we're having immediately upon hiring people. And so a lot of the programs that we have invested in, it's not just about giving jobs, but it's really helping people set people up for long-term success in their careers through this exposure to that first job. So if you think about your first job and that first big break you had to then <laughs> propel your career forward, it's very similar for the population that we're serving. They've been pretty much excluded from the formal sector. And so that first job experience, they have this deep hunger to propel themselves forward. And so we realized through our surveys that what are the, some of the key missing pieces to help them move forward? And so things like uh, we realized something simple as financial literacy, the fact that a lot of people were not understanding how their household income and expenditures were done made us realize maybe the first step in providing a formal job is also financial literacy around what does your paycheck look like? Why do you say that in your contract it's X amount, but then when you get your paycheck, it's a little bit less. So presenting the idea of taxes, things that go into pensions for the first time, they're actually paying taxes and you know, putting money in towards healthcare, et cetera. And so kind of doing the education process and in investing in programs around health, um, as well as even career development, soft skills training. Uh, a lot of that has been driven by the data that we're seeing. And so every step of the way, we're kind of using it to inform where we put our money. I'm glad you touched on that because I think that's one of the other key things that I took away from your panel is that sort of, it. this exists on a loop. This isn't a linear path. This is very much a, a cycle. Yeah, yeah, I think one thing that um, we've learned at News Story is that data exists so that you can double down on your impact. So you learn what's working and what's not working and how you can understand um, 
what's working and then you dive deeper into that and you gather more data and you understand, okay, it's working for this certain segment of the population. How can we customize and iterate for them? Um, so it really just lets you double down on down on your impact and achieve your vision faster. And you also realize, you know, you also learn to measure what matters. You know, initially you have a thousand and one questions that you're so intellectually curious to understand. But then at the end of the day, it's like kind of coming back to what does that burden look like for the end user? Um, and what are you going to do with it? And I think we've learned, even in trying to be lean in, you know, from the get-go, what metrics or which questions were yielding insightful data and which ones weren't. And if it didn't yield anything that drove decision-making, we cut it out. Mm-hmm. You take a pass at your survey before you're going to distribute it and your metrics, and you say, OK, what action am I going to take based on the answer to this question that I think I'm going to get? And then you cut anything else that doesn't answer that question. I'm glad that you bring up questions and surveys and uh, that question of what data should I collect, because uh, this panel started with a survey for <laughs> for all of us. and. Uh, you had asked us uh, to sort of rate the biggest challenges uh, we face in data collection. One uh, awesome person, uh, which was not me, I will say that, uh, said that they've got 99 problems, but their data ain't one. (laughs) I Um, wonder who that was. That was amazing. (laughs) I would like to know who that is. Um, If you are listening to this right now and that was you, please tweet us at whole whale and use the hashtag lean data. Uh, but the big question that most people have is, what data should I collect? And how do you approach that question? I think it really comes back to the core mission, right? And I think a strong foundation for measuring what matters or what to what questions to ask really comes around your theory of change. And so one of the things we talked about is in the session is reverse engineering. So before you put out a thousand question survey, taking a step back as a team and really understanding what your theory of change is. Theory of change is essentially just a very quick, you know, few liner statement around what is your intended mission, um, your hypothesis, and what is intended to happen as a result of what you're doing. Then taking that theory of change, going one step further, there's a logic framework model. When most people hear that word in Washington, D.C., you either get a lot of excitement or people running in the other direction. <laughs> um, I personally am a huge fan of logic framework models. If you're not married to them um, and, and you learn that they're a living document and a way of keeping you honest, I think they offer a lot of value in helping you understand how to measure what matters. And so you basically think about your theory of change and then the logic framework essentially goes from what are your inputs what are the things that you're doing to achieve your ultimate impact what are the things that you're putting in towards that model what are your outputs as a result of those direct inputs what are the outcomes that are happening from all that activity and ultimately what is that impact and so along that matrix you're able to very clearly define for each level from input output outcomes to impact What are the metrics that go along each step of the way as you're trying to drive that ultimate mission? And next to that, you'll have not just the metrics, but then the questions that directly relate to those metrics, the timing of the tools, and ultimately the frequency, the risks, assumptions in around the data or the quality of that data. So you're really able to map it out. Oftentimes, your first round of data will come in and it will completely prove you wrong and you'll have to adjust that. But the the, the flexibility, the adaptability, I think is, is core to helping an organization evolve and iterate and, and really best serve their beneficiary base. 
One thing we really believe in as a core value at New Story is the idea that that data collection process should be human-centered. So once you go through your logic framework, you have the questions that you want to ask, testing your questions and making sure that you are getting the anticipated answers that you want, you know, making sure that your survey is conversational depending on the context who you're speaking with, localizing it to the local community um, is something that's a really key part to making sure that you're getting quality data. So that comes from doing something that we call back trans Translation. So I write out the survey in English, we translate it to Spanish, we give it to someone else, they translate it back to English, and are the questions the same? Um, so even small tweaks like that, um, doing a pilot on the ground, um, making sure, you know, being really observant, having multiple people when you're doing that first survey test, um, making sure that, you know, conversation flows naturally. Um, one thing, an example of how we've learned that is taking pictures. We take pictures of the families um, on, that they're of the tents that they're living in and doing that at the end of the conversation we originally did at the beginning works much much better in regards to making the experience ple um, pleasurable for and enjoyable for the for the families um, doing it at the end of the survey is something that that we've learned hmm. numbers they are people too yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, the second question that came up as one of the biggest challenges is how to use data to further the work and it seems like you've both touched on that, is that it informs the first round of data, informs the next iteration, informs the next survey, informs the next, uh, and you can see where the, the loop goes mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that we've learned is like, how do you bake it into the process? And so after every single community that we build, we collect this data and we use it to inform future communities um, within that country, you know, um, or within that specific community. So looking at similarities between rural communities in Haiti um, and El Salvador versus carry urban communities, we really try to use the data to inform every decision along the way. And I think for, for Somosource, you know, like Emma mentioned, it, it's very much baked into how we, we operate. And so for us, data, um, it's, it's not just impact data, right? We've operationalized it to even understand what's happening in real time. Um, so one of the things, because we are a business um, and we are a place of employment, one of the things we do is customer satisfaction surveys and employee satisfaction surveys. So not only how satisfied are our customers with the service that we're providing them, but we ask our employees, the, our target beneficiaries, on a day-to-day -day basis, what is it like to work for us? You know, not just tell us all of your impact data, but what is it like to work for Somasource? And so every, you know, six months we do our employee satisfaction surveys. And what we do with that data is we actually have um, dashboards and that data gets reported back out. If people are not satisfied with their experience at our work centers, that we do in all hands and people see the inputs of the data that they've given anonymously around their experience around day to day, their teams, communication styles, you know, just what it takes to make a work center functional. And, you know, a lot of times some of the feedback that we've received, both quantitative and qualitative, has been used very directly to create an action plan to improve the work experience at our global delivery centers. So it's really, really exciting when people you know, are not just taking surveys, but they're seeing that direct action items are being taken and our HR teams are looking at it um, in a way that it's it's not just about workplace data, right? It's about even impact. And so we ask around, are these impact programs, things like financial literacy or the health and wellness programs, are they actually adding value to your lives? And, you know, some of them have been yes, some of them have been no. And as a direct result, we've either invested in more or kind of changed up how we've approached it. Data keeps you honest, and if you have a good feedback loop for it, it helps you double down on your impact. 
And I think initially too, like with some of these employee satisfaction surveys, the second time we ran the survey, um, people were like, I just took this six months ago. I don't want to do it. And so our response rate was, you know, a little bit low. And then once they realized what it was being used for and change was directly being impacted by those that responded, you know, it, it's like voting. You you have to put your vote in, otherwise you can't complain about it, you know? And so, um, you know, people started getting really excited about these these surveys and they're like, well, if I want more investment in this or I want this program, let me take the survey so that we can, you know, the, the more votes, the, the louder the voice. So it'll be interesting to see how the uh, this year's midterm elections turn out, given the uh, the voting analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Data in action. Uh, and the third question that people uh, responded with was, how can I operationalize data to scale? And I think that's such an incredible question for both of you, since your organizations really all are about that scale. This isn't just the very simple changes. You guys have some big, huge, ambitious goals. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about this before in regards to like, how do you take something that is a pilot and the data that you have and how do you really bake it into your operations? And so one way that New Story does that is we were already collecting a survey. And so we look at our entire kind of customer journey and we say, okay, a family, from when they're living in a slum to living in a home, what are the touch points that we have with that family? And we use those touch points to collect data with the families and bake those into feedback loops that we constantly iterate and improve on. And for Salmasurus, you know, one of the things we've done is we are a tech-based company. And so we've integrated our data straight into our proprietary platform called Hub, which is the platform on which our workforce delivers the work that our clients are giving to us. And so a lot of those surveys are integrated right into the hub. They're automated. So we have information on pretty much every single person that's employed with us around their impact. And then, of course, in terms of their experience, what happens to them afterwards, we're, we're consistently looking for ways to collect that data in a way that um, can be integrated into day-to-day -day operations. So the fact that impact data is not just my responsibility as the senior impact manager, but HR uh, impact metrics are integrated into how HR teams function, how professional services team you know functions, our global delivery team. So impact kind of is tied into every single team across the organization, and they're somehow capturing few impact metrics at their touch points. And so when the entire organization is so committed to impact and it's a part of their core KPIs, that's when you can really operationalize it, right? And you can get to that point of scale. And for Samasource, it's been really, really interesting interesting about what does this mean for us? And our question is, you know, so what, so what, you know, happens when you operationalize that data? And I think for us, it's achieving that scale component. You know, we can only impact more lives if we understand in real time what is going on with that data. And so when you're not able, when you're not able to really collect data in a timely fashion, it becomes harder and harder to you know, act upon it. And so when you're able to operationalize it, integrate it into a way that the data is seamlessly collected and consistently analyzed and accessed, which is a big piece of it, when data is democratized in an organization and every team feels empowered to understand and use that data to do their day-to-day -day jobs, that's the point where you can really scale and just change the way that you approach your problem. Democracy versus a fiefdom. <laughs> yeah, impact should not be a black box. You know, it exactly. shouldn't be spitting out numbers in some type of secret room. Um, and one of the, the core things that we've done at Zama Source is, is really empower every single team member to really 
feel comfortable with data. Um, and so we, funny thing is we actually have brown bags and best practices and all of these things. But I think as more people have access to it, I think pe more people ask questions. And I think that's so healthy uh, for the organization to, to think about how to drive impact deeper. No impact Illuminati. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a couple of rapid fire questions. Uh, if you could get into the hot tub time machine and go back and change one thing <laughs> from your careers uh, or the way that you have been working with data or within the industries, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, if I'm not thinking about it too much, I think the, the biggest lesson I've learned is is humility in the process. Um, I remember when I first started out in my career, I, I thought I had all the answers. And, you know, it was so easy to jump straight to a conclusion of this is how it should be done and this is how I'm going to measure it. But I think taking that step back and realizing that this problem has existed for way longer than you've been alive, I think is, is very humbling. And there's there's not one solution to everything. And so Taking that step back to learn um, is, is is huge and um, really be okay with failure when your first try doesn't work out. Yeah, that's great. I would say being comfortable with that like ambiguity and not knowing um, you don't have all the answers and like being really comfortable when we're going into a new community, when we're working with new partners and saying, you know, we have an idea of what the impact will be, but data at the end of the day just keeps you honest on what's working and what's not working and really being honest with yourself, with other members on your team to say, this is the action plan, how we're going to improve things. This is where we're going to double down on our impact. Harry Potter one for the industry, what would, what would be one thing you would change? All of these questions are movie references. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing we'd change about impact or data or just generally the organization or mm -hmm. however we want to interpret however it. However you want to interpret it. It is your Patronum. Oh, wow. Uh, Emma, do you want to take this first? Sure. I think going back to the humility, humility idea is that like data is easy and accessible. Like the, the reason why we had folks take a survey at the beginning of um, the workshop was to, you know, show people that this isn't hard. It doesn't need to be intimidating. And so how can we empower more people by democratizing our tools, by making, you know, um, the data that we do have or the processes and learnings that we've had along the way, how do we empower other nonprofits to be able to do that as well? Because the problems that we're solving, um, access to decent work, um, the billion people that live without adequate shelter, news story is never going to do those alone. And so how do we um, create mutual learning so that we can really move the needle on the big problems that we're trying to solve? I think the, the big one would be not reinventing the wheel. Um, you know, I, I think it, it comes back to realizing that there's people that have spent a lot of time and energy on a lot of the problems that we're also trying to solve. And there's a lot of best practices and learnings that, you know, you can definitely leverage. And one of the things, you know, instead of spending time and draining all of your resources into creating a custom tool from the, you know, straight off the bat, um, leveraging existing tools and then customizing um, to what meets your needs best, I think it was a great lesson learned and something that we could have, you know, sped up. But I think the learnings are definitely a part of the, the process and you get better at it as you go along. That's what makes it fun. <laughs> Data, fun for the whole family. <laughs> it should be a board game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is one thing that you would like for people to start doing, stop doing, and continue doing with their data? That's a great question. I think 
The first thing is sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, one of the things that's a core part of our values as an organization and a company is really that transparency component and being honest with ourselves. And so, uh, you know, in the last few years, we just didn't sit on our data. We decided we're going to be very public about our successes as well as our failures. Nonprofits are so afraid of talking or, or sharing bad news. And so the way that Silicon Valley is very open to failure and actually embraces failure, we've adopted that culture at our organization, at a nonprofit to embrace failure is, is pretty rare. And so a lot of times when things you know haven't worked out, we've been very open and honest with not just our beneficiaries, but our stakeholders, our funders, our donors, et cetera. And that's made a world of a difference in how we approach our organization and how people see us. And there's that level of humility associated with it, but I think there's a great opportunity to to learn in the community. We're all in this space together and, you know, talking about reinventing the wheel, why let somebody go through that same process if you've learned and failed and, you know, you can move on from it. So I think that's one of the things I'd say stop doing. Start doing, um, I think just just diving in. I think a lot of people are so intimidated by data and data collection and getting it right the first time. I think a lot of it just has to do with um, just kind of getting your feet right right into the water and, and just getting it done. Just get things done. <laughs> Don't noodle on it like, too much. Yeah, people get paralyzed by this idea of data and they're like, oh, I have to be a data scientist to be able to kind of collect data and make decisions based on that. And one thing that we learned was we started really qualitative. There's only, you know, three studies that have ever been done on the impact of housing in the developing world. And so we started with really broad questions and then got really narrow from that. Um, so I would say, yeah, just like start doing it more. Like anyone can collect data. It's super easy. There's tools out there. And so the ability to do that um, and just get started, get your hands dirty, be scrappy. What is the term, Trisha? For... <laughs> to God. So it's a Hindi word. Um, it really means to, to do a lot when you're so resource strapped. And so um, another one of our core values at, at Salmasaurus, um, you know, we were a startup and it was hard in our initial years um, to prove out a minimum viable product, but we, you know, we did, but we still kept that, that value and spirit even as we've scaled, because at the end of the day, our bottom line is not profit, but impact. And so our question consistently is how can we use our money, our funding to, provide more services and provide more benefits to our workers um, and our entire beneficiary base. So we're, we're consistently trying to make sure that every single dollar is going out to the work that we do. Okay, uh, one last question. We are here in Austin at South By. Uh, what has one highlight been uh, from the conference for you both, uh, apart from the tacos? Um, I love tacos. The breakfast tacos, the dinner tacos, they've all been very good. Um, the 1 a.m. tacos. The 1 a.m. tacos, absolutely. Those are the best ones. Yeah. Um, one thing that New Story is incredibly excited about um, that we launched yesterday at South By was the first 3D printed home for families in the developing world. And we are really excited about this because it helps us get a step further towards achieving our goal of um, eliminating the 1 billion people that uh, live with inadequate housing or in slums worldwide. That's a huge number. And New Story's never going to build enough homes um, 
within the lifespan of our organization to make a dent in that number. And so we wanted to invest in an innovation that is going to help us increase speed. It can print homes in less than 24 hours. It helps us decrease cost, um, going from about $6,500 to $4,000. Um, and it also helps us increase quality. We did not want to sacrifice on quality um, when investing in new engineering. And so it helps us um, achieve all of those three goals and hopefully achieve our larger goal of um, giving shelter to the a billion people who live without it. Twisha. Um, this is my first time at South by Southwest. So um, it's just been incredible being here in the space of so many different creative people and getting a sense of just so many different perspectives um, and disciplines across the world. And so I, I've just been really thrilled in my interactions with all of the participants and the speakers um, at the conference. But one thing in particular actually stood out to me yesterday, I spent time going to sessions that were not directly related to my line of work. And so it was really interesting hearing what people are working on. And one particular session um, that I attended yesterday was called How to Tell Truth Like a Liar. And so in the post-truth world that we're living in, um, how can we communicate facts um, in a way that resonates with different audience members? And for me, that was so fascinating because all my life I've been a data-driven person and I feel like data is the ultimate truth. If the numbers are there to prove your point, that should be enough for the argument. But I've increasingly realized that data is not the only end game here. You have to convince and talk to your audience in a way that resonates with them. And so especially in the development sector, it, it's not just having that checkbox of saying, yay, our, our model or intervention works, but it's really about evangelizing it and thinking about how can we use data to do things better and in a way that resonates not just with one type of audience member. So it's, it's talking to your donors and investors, yes, but it's also talking, figuring out ways to talk to your beneficiary base around the value of what you're doing, not just the services that they're getting. And so it's a very insightful conversation and, and series of, of questions I started posing to myself as a result of that, that panel. And it was, it was really wonderful to see that. And I'm looking forward to attending more sessions like that. Cool. And I'm looking forward to attending more sessions like Lean Data. <laughs> awesome. uh, thank you both for, for talking to, to us today. Thank, Thank you. you for hosting us. Yeah. Such a pleasure. This has been Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. Resources, as always, may be found at wholewhale.com slash podcast. Thanks for joining us.